Hi listeners, it's Pepper here. Thank you for tuning back in. On this episode, I talked to James Sargent, who is a witch living in Melbourne. We talked about where science meets witchcraft and the way we as humans are impacted by the ebbs and flows of the energy of the earth. We talked about the divine, the presence, deities, oneness, the will, and how you can manifest magic into your everyday life. We talked about setting up altars, crystals. It was a really interesting episode. I think you're going to love it. At the end of the show, please jump into iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcast and leave us a review. Now, this is a little creative project of mine, so be gentle. Only five-star reviews, please. No one-stars. If you're going to leave a one-star, maybe just don't. For those of you who enjoy the episode please go onto our Facebook page, pop some comments on there, share it with your friends, and please tell us any suggestions you have for future guests or topics. Let's get into the show. I invite you down the rabbit hole. Come with your opinions, come with your doubts, but above all, come with curiosity, for this is an idea to which someone has dedicated their life. I'm your host, Pepper. Welcome to Inspector Rabbit. the show today James. Now we've got you on because you are a witch. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now the first question I have for you is what does it mean for you to be a witch in these modern times? Oh well uh, to be a witch today I think is uh, it's a bit controversial actually to tell you the truth. Uh, You know witchcraft has a bit of a, a history in modern times uh, of not being a great thing, and it's amazing how people are both receptive and curious, but also a little bit, uh, a little bit afraid. I would even say a little bit unsure, um, skeptical, perhaps. For me personally, being a witch, it helps me to stay focused and grounded in a world that is otherwise quite, um, quite difficult and quite overwhelming for a lot of people I think the craft for those of us who perform it is a as a place we can come back to outside of that noise that is every day and we return to a space of sanctuary much like those who go to church much like those who go to uh, holy spaces it is our way of doing that but in a way that's attuned to our ancestors in a way that is attuned to the earth and so in a modern day I think that that uh, for me, witchcraft is a way of attuning to the divine, and it's a way that a lot of people seek. Okay, interesting. So what exactly is witchcraft? 
Well, that's a huge question. Witchcraft is <laughs> it's, 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 it's a very varied thing. Uh, witchcraft is in many forms. In fact, every witch, uh, all craft are of the craft does so in a different format and a different style and a different way and even has a different perhaps title to what they craft in their crafting uh witchcraft particularly uh is is the crafting of elements the crafting of energies the crafting of what we call spirits which are you know energies entities beings whatever we might want to see them as of say herbs crystals colors candles whatever it might be um and to, to bring those together in a way that that uh, helps us to attune our spell or create our spell. Mm. Uh, and there's a lot of, uh, look, there's a lot of things that go into uh, one's craft. But for every witch, it's a different, it's a different format. It's a different structure. It's a very personal, uh, unlike, say, religious followings where you are given a doctrine, where you are given format uh the craft allows you to design your own format it allows you to utilize eons of folklore and and culture from around the world today as we have which is a that's a, that's another part of being a witch today is our the availability of knowledge the young witches i'm seeing today are phenomenal in what they know uh that i had no access to as, as a youth um but I think a witch today is, is sorry, but I've lost track of the question. What was it? Uh, it <laughs> that's okay. Um, the question was, uh, what is witchcraft? And before you go, and if I may, like you've touched on so many interesting things already. I mean, that you've talked about accessing the divine, and I'm curious to know what you see as being the divine and what um, how you're accessing these different entities, beings, how you incorporate that in your witchcraft and your magic. I mean, there's just, I've been sitting here listening and I just want to jump in and ask you like 10 different questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, you just did ask me 10 different questions. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, okay. Well, firstly, I, I, my craft, so this is again where the craft differs for every single person. The way that I practice craft is for me, the divine is what I, well, what I call the divine, I guess, is, is that the source. It's the source of all that is. Some in the Christian context would call that God. In other contexts, you know, in other formats, it's, it's Allah. It's, 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 you know, it's the great serpent. It's whatever, you know, it's the creator being, the one that is the conscious part of the universal will if if you will okay but aligned with that i also believe then there is or i i feel and i observe that there is in tune with that and to counter that and to act as the opposite of that in this dual reality we are in if that is the masculine the projective energy then there must be also then a receptive energy a, a womb if you will a darkness a, a no thing for the everything to me the divine is both of these. The divine is the no thing from which all things came. It is, to me, the womb in which the seed is planted, the ground it is, all of that is the goddess, what we would call the goddess. Uh, the god then is the, the sperm, the seed, the light, the, the will, the way, the one that illuminates that space and takes root in that space and from there all things become. So God is the will that causes all things to become the lively will to act, so to speak. 
that is what I would say at the essence of divine is. Now, many witches will take that as a personified context. So in the same way that Christians call God, God, and, and then we have Jesus and we have Mary and these other deities that represent archetypes or aspects of that divine energy. Yeah. Uh, so for me, you know, uh, for, sorry, sorry, for other witches, they may see the god or goddess in particular forms that they may borrow from history and utilize a cultural deity. For example, it might be a Greek god or goddess or a Celtic god or goddess or a Hindu god or goddess. They may just see it as the earth goddess, Gaia, and it might be, uh, you know, a, a horned god, for example, who is a Celtic aspect or you know, as I follow, or it might be, you know, whatever format we mm. choose, we can, we can allow, I guess what I'm trying to say is the divine is an essence. The way it appears to us as mortals is a, a way, I guess, it's like a, a way of it presenting itself in a way it wants us to understand it. So if God comes to me dressed in the robes of an Egyptian being, I'm going to look up and see it's probably Isis. In her form, but what is God trying to tell me in that format? What is God trying to say to me about Isis? What is that expression of God um, or goddess, if we call it in that, uh, to be mm. gender specific? Um, I also treat the divine, uh, sorry, deity, I should perhaps say, I treat deity, the gods and goddesses as we see them, in multiple ways. Firstly, I don't believe the divine has a form. That is my way of seeing it. So the divine itself does not have a form. It's just a, it's an essence. It's an expression. It's a will. It's a presence. Whereas when it becomes in form, I believe that's our brains making sense of it. That's our brains putting it into a form that we can feel connecting or able to understand. We can, we can make sense of it. But I also believe that there are ways we can work with that. For example, when I'm working with a spirit, I'm not expecting some kind of spirit to appear in front of me and, you know, be all majestic and, 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 and so on and so forth. It's not like some sort of boogeyman that's going to come forth. And, and honestly, any boogeyman that did, I'd be wanting to see some ID. You know, and they don't really, you know, unfortunately, they don't carry it. Um, you know, but, um, you know, if a 3000 year old goddess de decided to appear in front of me, I'd probably, you know, question her anyway, because, you know, um, but look to me, those are archetypes. So when I say I worked with the horned God for me, that is an old, uh, for me specifically Celtic, but we see the horned God in many forms in terms of Pan, uh, or Bacchus in the Greek pantheon, even we see him then borrowed into Christian concept and dressed as the devil in early formats, where we see the horned creature and half man, half animal. Mm. And what the horned god represents to me as an archetype, if we can look at him as an archetype, is the place where the wild animal and free instinctual part of us meets the tamed, meets the man, meets the the street savvy person brain yeah it's mm. where hooves of the wild one the the antlers that streak the sky that carry the stars but the man is there too and it's the balance of all of that it's the beautiful place where those energies meet that that energy that that archetype to me represents the horned god 
to me, represents the perfect counterbalance to what I then see as the goddess, which is Earth, Gaia, our mother. I see her in stages of the mother pregnant. I see her in stages of the maiden in spring when all her flowers are beautiful and pink and she's the blushing maiden, just aware of her sexuality, just aware. She's saying, come fruit with me. She's she's perfumed. Think of spring and nature wanting to, you know, she's a young woman seducing her lover so that by mm. summer she can be fruit, yeah? And that is when the, the maiden goddess, to me, is aware of her sexuality, calling in the horned god. And he would appear as this probably young, virile man, you know, with this animalistic instinct to mate with this feminine energy that is in front of him. There's no manly presence in that sense. It's a very animalistic way. And they procreate the earth into blooming. And that is where then we get the fruit, the child. Jesus is the child. It's all this child symbology. And then as we progress into winter, we see either symbols of the, the, the woman, the mother, the goddess. Her child grows. She ages. The child may die. There's often a sacrifice or a death involved, either of the father of the, or it's either the father who will die so the child can replace or the child will die. It's, it's you know, Christianity. We see Jesus die. Mary, his mother, becomes the crone. We see that symbology. Mary, his wife. Uh, a, a mother of his children was, of course, also the mother. She went from maiden to mother, as did the Virgin Mary, maiden to mother, then from mother to crone. We see these, I mean, that's a very, I just have to put in there. So the maiden mother crone is a very neo-pagan, in other words, modern pagan mm. concept that is only very recent, as in, as in not even 100 years old. Uh, okay. But it's a, it's, a, it's a cute little way to express that. Um, but please, I do feel that women are a lot more um, faceted than three simple um, faces. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we like to use this. It's very nice, but it's very much a little pink ribbon. Okay. So we say the maiden, the mother, the crone, and the man's got the same thing. He's the boy. He can be the warrior or the knight or whatever. And then he can be the father or the sage. You know, there's he, it, it stages. Anyway. Yeah. I'm going to okay. stop there because yeah. I need you need to ask a question. A little more <laughs> No, I mean, that was a, a fantastic answer to what you see as the divine. I mean, you've talked about uh, deity, everything, oneness, the formless presence, consciousness. And I'm really interested in how uh, you access the divine and manifest it in, I'm guessing, magic, given that you're a witch. But also you touched on sacrifice, and I can't just let that one go either. I mean, I I don't know a lot about witchcraft, so when you mentioned the sacrifice and you were talking about uh, baby Jesus in relation to Christianity, I kind of was curious about how a sacrifice would manifest itself in your magic. So I know there's a lot of questions in there. <laughs> I'm just loading you up, so yeah, yeah. go for it. <laughs> right. So it actually follows on perfectly from what I was saying. So the way that I utilize the divine or the work with the divine in my magic is I... As a creator, I believe I am a creator because I create, I am creating magic. I am creating something. When I make a cup of coffee, I'm creating a cup of coffee. It wasn't there beforehand. God didn't make it happen. God gave me the ingredients and let me be the creator. So I'm the creator in that sense. So when I'm creating magic, 
I create my magic. But at the end of the day, I'm only just a little ant on this freaking huge, big rock in space. What do I know? So that's when the divine comes in. So I always hand my magic over because at the end of the day, God does know best. And if it's in God's plan, he'll let it through. Or And I utilize the word God, and that's you know, it may confuse some people because a lot of people, especially witches, might go, oh, the goddess. Look, I just use God because it's a relative term. Spirit, divine, goddess, it's all the same. It's just a word. Yeah, we're using the same term. Yeah. Uh, God in the way that the listener understands it. So, sorry. Uh, when you use the term God, the listener can interpret in interpret it in a way that they understand God or the divine. Yeah. Um, so to me, the divine. When I hand over my working, it is saying this is I'm giving the outline, I'm giving the structure, I'm giving the shape, the breath, the will, the way, the want the desire, the energy that I build in my spell, that I use dance or ritual or whatever it is, I'm building energy. It's, it's, it's all about electricity, and we'll get to that, I hope, later. Uh, okay. But uh, it's electricity that we're building in our spell. And when we hand that over, we're going, okay, universe, here you go. Blow me away now. Show me something better. Give me, give me what it is I've asked for, but you know better. Now, when I use the divine as well in the aspect I was talking of before with such as the archetype is a different way. So, for example, if I was doing a love spell and I wanted to be loved. Now, that's a very common one. I've had countless people come to me and say, can you do me a love spell? And <laughs> I will always say to them, what's your intention and why? Because a love spell is generally wanted to get someone in love with them. And that I just won't play in. You know, if you're going to manipulate in that kind of way, then no, it's not my style. But if you want to learn how to be more about love, then by all means. And so what I would suggest is they work with an energy such as Aphrodite or Venus. Aphrodite being the Greek, Venus being the uh, Roman version of the same deity, who was earlier uh, Ishtar and uh, such in, in, in form, you know, Babylonian days. This goddess, for example, was famously known as being the goddess of love and sexuality and beauty. And she's like the goddess of the boudoir. You know, she's a sexy and lovely creature. And so... Now, a witch might want to work with Aphrodite and they would be doing all this work to bring Aphrodite to them, to get pleasure from her, to get, uh, you know, they'll, they'll give her offerings or sacrifices. You mentioned sacrifices there. The sacrifice is not obviously uh, as may have been done in their old days. Or, you know, there may have been, and I believe there was human sacrifice, but basically sacrifices, giving something of importance to feed the energy to give something to the energy that shows your willingness so a sacrifice could be something simple but meaningful to you for example i might sacrifice something that i only have a little bit of but it's precious mm. but i'll give it it for my spell because it's saying to the universe this is how much i want this i'm willing to sacrifice something that means a lot to me for something that means more to me yeah, and so that's what a sacrifice, and that in that way can be anything. But in terms of, say, Aphrodite, we might say, I'm going to sacrifice my hairbrush to her because I know with Aphrodite, if I look up and research on her, she's always seen, think of the birth of um, Venus by Botticelli, the famous painting of the woman coming out of the shell. That is Aphrodite, that is Venus. Long, beautiful hair, very sexual, showing her body, but hiding demurely behind her hands, her heart, and her private part because she's not yeah. silly. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but she likes hair. So I might sacrifice a hairbrush to her and say, This is yours, I give you my hairbrush. But I also know that by her blessing that hairbrush, for example, and I use that on my hair. I then have her energy in me. Now, 
there's a placebo effect going on there. And I'm quite clear in that in magic. And a lot of practitioners might be a little bit shocked to hear this, but there's a placebo effect in that. If I believe that brush is blessed by a goddess that is all about sexy, and I brush my hair with it, I might feel a little sexy myself. And that's, what <laughs> I, that's how I work with the divine. It's okay. not about channeling a spirit that is going to come give us the power. It's about channeling that spirit into us and being that power. So if I'm going to work with Aphrodite, I'm going to be my best Aphrodite. I'm going okay. to give Aphrodite opportunity to feel what it is to be this body. It doesn't matter if I'm a man. It doesn't matter what. When I'm channeling the horn god, I am the virile, thrusting, procreative nature of nature. But I'm also wild and tame. Mm. I am free, but also held. And I dance between the two, and you might not know which one you're going to get. But mm. then if I want to channel the crone who is the old hag who has death sitting over her shoulder looking back at us with dark little eyes going now young one you're walking towards me and i've got some stuff to say to you you know i might channel her and i'll whip you down i you feel know? like you were going to do a voice there and then you changed your mind last minute you, you can do as many voices as you want <laughs> oh they, they may change voice i do know i've been told <laughs> i changed for my I, I, funnily enough i do notice because of my uh, way of working when I do bring that energy in what others would be calling channeling there's also the term mantle to mantle a god is to allow an energy to sit within you they say uh, okay. to me it's about allowing this energy or this entity to take us over it's like allowing that spirit to take us over but we are allowing part of us to step forward so yeah. for imagine example for imagine for example that um okay imagine a young woman does not feel very sexually confident. She doesn't feel very bodily confident. She might be told by society she's not pretty or thin enough or fat enough or whatever enough, yeah? Mm -hmm. And she starts to pray to Aphrodite and say, please bless me and bless me. And unfortunately, she may never get anywhere with that, yeah? But if she was to say, okay, say create an altar where it's just a focus point. She might put a beautiful table in her space or a shelf and she puts this beautiful image of a stunningly beautiful woman that she looks at and goes, that is what I feel is sexy, yeah? Mm. And then she might put her favourite makeup or her favourite perfume there to be blessed by this beautiful being that she's calling in. And then she sits there and she says, thank you, Aphrodite. Not please, but thank you, Aphrodite, for mm. blessing me, for blessing me and allowing me to feel sexy, for allowing that sexual energy to come through me, for allowing me to feel the beauty you feel. Because Aphrodite was famously able to turn a man's head. And maybe that's what this young woman wants. And so... What we see is she's actually allowing herself to feel that. She's allowing in that moment to know what that would feel like, but she's using the goddess as a symbol of that energy. Yeah? Something yeah. that she had reference for before, she now does. What it feels like to feel sexy. What it feels like to feel beautiful. Yeah? And she can use the goddess as that reference point and therefore become more like that in her own way. Tuning in and what we call channeling if we want or becoming that energy. Yeah. So when I become the horn god, I am channeling that I'm pretending to be it, whatever we want to call it. I'm acting it out, but I feel it. I am it in the way I walk. And people see me and they're like, you're like some hooped creature. Do you know what I mean? But that's what I yeah. am. Yeah. I've been doing a few love spells yourself, have you? <laughs> well, no, well I, I am a love spell in motion. You know, I'm always in love with 
I wrote a beautiful poem about being in love with the world today, and I'm always in love. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, say, for example, with the horn god, um, if I was to go out, for example, and wanted to be sexy, absolutely, I would put that mm. horn god going on and I, I you know I would absolutely my moves would become suddenly you know if I'm okay let me ask you this as as the questioner okay I'm gonna put it back on you okay if you okay. were to go out as a single young woman um <laughs> maybe not very confident in yourself and you want to be pretty but you're not really feeling it but you go out anyway what's your night going to be like do you think you're going to really be comfortable picking up how do you feel you're going to go on that night uh, well, it would depend on my intention for the night, but I suppose that I wouldn't leave the house unless I felt that I was, you know, in a presentable um, state. You know, I'd do my hair, I'd do my makeup, I'd go out. You know, and even as I'm saying that, I'm like, God, why do I have to put makeup on? That's so frustrating. The society tells me I need to wear makeup to go out. But, but when I was younger, I would definitely go out in the shortest, tightest dress I possibly could. Lots of makeup, uh, the highest heels that I knew I wouldn't be able to walk in. But if I just drank enough alcohol, I wouldn't feel the pain <laughs> after a certain amount of time. And, you know, <laughs> Maybe drink enough that I could bust those moves and, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't care anymore. I wouldn't be so self-conscious. So I don't know if you'd call that setting an intention or uh, magic, but I wonder what the distinction is between setting an intention and a goal. You've actually, and, and the, thank you. Great point. That's a really <laughs> because what magic is, is setting intention. It's, it's setting intention. And look, there is a lot of placebo effect in the power of intention and so so also is their power in symbology we know that the subconscious mind speaks through symbology we know that the subconscious mind has a lot more power over us than what we like what our conscious mind would probably like to believe so for example that young woman that you just spoke of there that was going out on that night were i to see her i would actually see a very insecure young woman i would see a woman that did not appear confident in her sexuality because of what she was dressed in because she was trying to be something but didn't carry it off now if a woman is sexy she could wear anything and she will be sexy yeah mm -hmm. because she feels that she is it she's not trying to be it yeah now say for example let's pretend that young woman sat at home and she had blessed some water under a full moon and asked the goddess whatever she wanted that to be, to bless it. And she truly believed in some goddess, some energy, some spirit that was going to come and bless this magical water, just like a priest does in church when he does the same thing. He believes the same thing. Some spirit's going to bless the water. And we baptize our babies with that. And so the same deal. We're asking this water, take on this energy, take on the energy of the moon. This young woman tells that. She might add some rose quartz because she believes that is about love. Her mind has already got now two or three symbols that she now believes is love so she then takes that beautiful water inside it might be in a silver dish that was her grandmother's and her grandmother's love yeah mm. and she puts it down on an altar that's got a white cloth and a mirror and a simple candle and a beautiful picture of the goddess Aphrodite who's coming out of the shell it could be Botticelli's painting okay mm. and she just sits there and says please Aphrodite by the light of this candle and the light of this moon tonight that I've blessed this water with Add your blessings to this water and give me, gift me your beauty. Let the people see your beauty on me. 
And then she might wash her face with it and her hair with it. And she might have a brush that she has asked for similar blessings and she brushes her hair with it. And then she's also done the same with her makeup. She says, Aphrodite, bless this makeup with your magic so that I sparkle, that I may catch every man's eye. And then she says, she's dressing that. She's feeling it. She's in it. Do you mm. notice the transformation that's happening there in that girl's mind? She is actually doing something very simple but very powerful. She's mm. making her sub just I believe what she's doing, whereas before mm. it didn't. There um, is a very powerful difference that will change her night. Can I just ask before you do go on there, what would be the difference for you to, if you had done that before you went out and you had all these layers of what you believe were powerful blessings over you and you dressed beautifully because you wanted to feel beautiful and sensual and sexual and catch their eye, not because you wanted to try to be sexy, but you felt that you were sexy. How would that young girl go out that night? What would be the difference? Can I ask you that? Mm. Well, let me just clarify. I never went out to pick up. I went out to dance and have fun, fun with my friends. Um, okay. But if I was getting ready in my bathroom, invoking all of those divine energies, using, you know, the, the symbolic hairbrush from my grandma and all those kinds of things, I think that a layer upon layer by by using all of those symbols and saying those things to myself internally, I would, you know, hopefully build a strong foundation and structurally like layer my own self-confidence and self-esteem and build it up to a point where before I even set foot out the door, I already felt, you know, hot, sexy, uh, confident, and perhaps even to the point where I didn't care if anyone was looking. I mean, of course you always want people to look because that's confirmation as a young woman that, you know, you, you've got it, you, you look good. Um, so yeah, I mean, already, already I would feel better before I'd even set foot out the door. And then for those young women who are listening and, and I used to be one of these young women as well, like you go out the door and you think, oh, I'm so nervous. There's going to be so many people there. Maybe there's someone there who I like, he might talk to me. Holy shit. How many wines do I need to have before I even get out the door? Um, saying wines, I'm showing my age now, but you know, I wasn't drinking wines back then. Um, how many drinks? <laughs> how many drinks do you need to have before you feel comfortable? And I notice that now with my younger friends, they they know that you know it's in only once they're three or four drinks in that they feel confident and comfortable mm -hmm. in themselves. And I'm as you're talking about invoking uh, these different symbols, just the the ritual of getting ready. I'm hoping that young women out there can apply this magic, mm. this spell to their own lives and use it so they don't need to re um, rely on alcohol, you know, to reduce their inhibitions and self-confidence. You use some really yeah. good words, invoking, invoking. You're voking, invoking it within. You're invoking. Evoking is externalised. So you're evoking something outside of yourself. Invoking is to invoke within. You are invoking the power within yourself. It was there all along. It's just that the magic is what gives you something to believe in. And the belief is what is the magic. And that is what we as humans are so powerful with. Look at a child. That's what we're playing with here. And you're so right. It does build that confidence. It does build that feeling of if you're wearing a pendant that is blessed by the goddess that you know is the energy around you, you're going to feel that. Placebo or not, it's going to have effect on you. You're going to alter your movement, you'll change your style. It's amazing. And as you said there, those young ladies, they all have... Everyone has their rituals already. 
Every young woman has their makeup ritual, their little way of doing it. Their, they might have their shower, they use whatever, their cleansers and blah, blahs. They might put on their toners and then they put on their layers and they have their little rituals, whether it's a five minute or it's a two hour long whatever. The difference mm. between a witch and a regular person is a witch will do intentionally. And so every item might be blessed already by the goddess sitting on their altar, which could just be their makeup station, which is mm. it's just their makeup altar. Why not? Why not have your makeup area as being the altar to Aphrodite, the goddess of beauty? Or you could also go Lakshmi, who is the goddess of beauty and money. She's like the perfect Avon. Oh, She's hello. <laughs> She is all about being beautiful and wealthy. And because you're a woman, she's very much a womanly goddess. She, as I said, she's a goddess of Avon, you know, for the, for, yeah. I'm showing sure my age now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so um, moving on. Uh, so when this young woman does this or young, when, when this person does this, what they are doing, they are aligning their subconscious and conscious will. And that to me is where the divine starts to flow because those gateways are open. Our subconscious is listening and we are seeing deeper responses and it's the symbols of it. And so for a young woman, if she has blessed her lipstick, and every time she puts that on her lips, it's like a prayer. It is a prayer. It's no longer just a whack whack. It's done mm. with that little bit of intention. Today, my words have meaning. Today, my words are of love. And that means she's actually signed that pact with herself. Yeah. Every time she looks in the mirror, boom. Okay. She's going to see that lippy reminding herself, today, my words are of love. Yeah. Mm. Or today, my words are of wisdom or today, let my words be heard. You know what I mean? It could be when you put on your earrings. Let me listen to all that has been said. Yeah. It's a little thing like that makes a yeah. big difference, especially if you're doing it daily. When it becomes daily, it becomes a ritual that is ceremonial and it can be very quick and simple. Once you build the practice, when I make my cup of coffee, I thank the coffee. I thank the sugar. I thank the water. I don't put milk in. I, I like my black coffees, but I love my little coffee. And my cup is a cauldron as far as I'm concerned. It's my little coffee cauldron. And when I'm in the morning, it's my little dark place that I'm coming out of. And it's a black cauldron. That's why I'm returning from that space. <laughs> and I go, thank you, little coffee beans. And you little, yeah, and I thank everybody who's touched those beans from the one who planted them, harvested the whole lot. To me, that's part of my ceremony. And I do this in a second. I go, thank you, little coffee beans, as I'm scooping them into my little pot for coming along and being in my cup right now. Thank you for waking me up. Yeah, so I, mm. I not only set the intention, I let them know what they're doing. I'm letting my brain know, be ready for coffee, it's coming. Yeah, mm. and I go, thank you for sugar, for sweetening everything and letting me, and reminding me for, to look out for the sweetness today. You know what I mean? And sweetening what might otherwise be a little bit bitter. Yeah, which mm. is the coffee. Yeah, so that, think of what I'm doing for my day ahead. I'm already telling myself that, hey, something might be bitter today and you might not like it, but just look out for the sweetness. It's all okay. There's sweetness too. A teaspoon of sugar helps the medicine go down, like Mary Poppins told her. She was a great witch, actually. She's got some great magic. Watch that show for some spells. Anyway, <laughs> your daily rituals, your shower could be a ritual. What about the way you wash yourself? You could wash yourself with love. You could wash, your soap could be a perfume, uh, you know, your soap could be a spell. Your, you know, it's all about how you use what you're doing every mm. day, how you intentionally set that goal, how you intentionally use the symbols to anchor that goal, to give symbolic subconscious meaning to that goal 
Okay. And quickly, what I would add to that, just to, to, to finish this up, because I do know there's more questions, uh, in a love spell, and I would just go very quickly here, a love spell, for example, and I'm talking symbolically, you might have a pink uh, cloth, because pink means love for you, and it's that lovely, deep, rougey pink that is sexual and moulin rouge, it's beautiful. Mm. It doesn't mean, we're, talk, we're not necessarily talking about sexy either, we might talk about, uh, the, we're not talking about getting the act of sex, but that doesn't mean you're not allowed to feel sexy and sensual, yeah? Mm. And you're going out to pick up, it means you're going out to feel sexy and sensual. Mm. And that's the so you might have this lovely rougey pink silk cloth that is very nice, yeah. A nice purple or pink candle. Um, you might have rose petals that you sprinkle. You've bought a rose for yourself. What a lovely thing to do. And you sprinkle them, but they're also a sacrifice to Aphrodite that you've gone and spent on a beautiful rose. And you sprinkle those around that candle. And you might do it in a circle or a love heart because that's the, the ring of Aphrodite around you as a love heart fluttering like petals of lovely you know, rose petals as you're dripping them around. You know what I mean? It's all symbolic. You might burn some yeah. incense very sweet and you put your perfume bottle there and ask her to bless it and you have the moon water maybe whatever and then you get ready in front of that mirror and you dress and you put your makeup on because hell you're the goddess now and you're going to dress like the, you're going to be the goddess in town and every man's going to go god damn i need to be in him i be I, I just need to be i need to bow to her that's what i need to do right now bow yeah <laughs> the goddess and everything you do every layer you add adds to that if it's just an act that's okay because it's damn well better than the actual doing earlier, going out all dressed up as you were. But mm. hey, you're going to believe it soon enough. Mm. Well, we'll start turning. And that's why we say witches have power. It's not about us being able to change the world. It's changing how we believe the world acts and we change ourselves. And that's, that is, without any hocus pocus, how witchcraft truly works. And it's, it's immensely powerful. When we change our way of thinking, the world will change because we're seeing it in a different way. Hmm. I was thinking before this podcast, um, I ran myself a hot bath and I got into it and I remembered us talking prior to prior to recording this episode about setting our intention. And it's interesting that you bring this up about, you know, using a pink cloth in the bath, that kind of thing, because I got into the bath and I actually set my intention. And then yeah. I started going through the things in my head um, that I was grateful for. You know, and one of them was that, you know, you'd agreed to come on the podcast, of course. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. But my intention was to be clear-headed and relaxed before doing this interview. Um, and just, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful mm -hmm. for hot water because it's absolutely freezing where I am. So <laughs> it was just nice mm -hmm. to take a plunge. But when when you talk about it in that sense, and now I'm sitting here being aware of my body and how I'm feeling, I mean, there's been so many times when I've gotten out of the bath and I'm rush, 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 get dinner or go to work, that kind of thing. And it's almost like the point of the bath is has been lost because I haven't taken that time to set the intention to tell myself, you know, it's time to relax. It's time to clear your mind or it's time to be grateful for or, or even just asking myself internally, what am I grateful for today? And that's not something that I've done regularly, but I've heard a lot of people talk about in recent times on different podcasts and yourself uh, here tonight. So what do you think for the, just like, someone who's at home who wants to try magic, who wants to set intentions, is, is that enough, is that a good place to begin? Perfect, perfect place. And all I will say is add layers. Yeah. Add layers. 
Yeah. So let's take that bath you ran. Now, what you said there is absolutely spot on. You set the intention. <clears throat> that intention informed your mind. It's time to relax now. It's time to prepare now, which you did. Right? Mm. Because you set that intention. You told yourself to do it. Yeah. Magic is the will, the command, the act. Do this. Mm. Yeah. And so you could have gone into that bath and be like, oh, shit, you're going to, and you wouldn't have even noticed you had a bath. It would have been pointless. Waste of water. Hmm. Now, let's imagine for a moment. And again, magic can be simple. It can be elegant. It can be deeply ritualistic. It can be the wave of a hand, like Andorra from Bewitched. Okay. Hmm. You mentioned there that you... We're running the bath and you wanted to do it because it, you know, uh, it felt good or, or that you deserved it, perhaps, or that you had to give thanks. Now, I believe that you don't have to have a reason to do a ritual of self-love and care. Mm. In fact, I think personally that every act of self-care should be done as a ritual to give yourself thanks and give yourself that, even if it is just a breath of a moment, that Catch in the mm. eye and go, hey, I've got you. You're held. Remember. You know what I mean? Say, yeah. for example, bath. you know, you only had a short time. Okay. So you couldn't obviously go for the two hour long, lush, you know, Instagram worthy image of the bath, you know, <laughs> but you'll do it very simple. You could have. Okay. Let me ask you, if you were to say, when you ran that bath, if you put in a handful of little crystals and you held under the water um, a handful of oats that you had blended with some rose oil and some rose petals moments before, just very quickly out of your kitchen and some dry petals you might have in your, yeah, because witches have that stuff on their shelf. We grab some oats <laughs> out of the for our breakfast oats and yeah. I'll grab some dry rose petals that I probably pinched from one of the neighbor's roses last <laughs> season. Of course. Seriously, do it, do it, start doing it. Why not? right you deserve to right now you take these oats rose petals we'll put in a little bit of bicarb got that in the cupboard too it's good for our skin okay we're treating ourselves here and this is a five minute bath maybe so let's do a proper right and we might hold that under the water while it's running because that helps to dissolve all this stuff but while we're doing that we might be giving a little prayer we might be saying a song we might be blessing it we might be calling in the goddess we might be calling in anybody we might be saying let this be this we might be whispering to it in whatever words we could be going making up nonsense but just feeling really beautiful yeah. and that's okay too because we're expressing we're getting it through an intention it doesn't matter what you say or don't say it's actually you're just your intention now then we've added the crystals we've got the rose petals we've got some beautiful lovely softness in there and we might add some rose oil or some bubble bath because it just feels lush and we're pampering ourselves so let's go all the way and add some salts and some whatever it's a five minute throw together but all that intention that you might stand there for five seconds naked, look in the mirror and go, in this moment, you deserve this. And you look yourself in the eye and you tell yourself and believe it. You let yourself listen to yourself that you actually do deserve it. And no one and else in the world has to tell you otherwise. So hard for people to do. Oh, so hard. Yeah. So yeah. hard. But if you, again, you can let you just you can just say it to yourself gently if you don't need to. But say it. OK, here's a trick. Pretend the person in the mirror is a two-year-old or four-year-old child and then tell them that. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like one of the Jordan uh, Jordan B. Peterson's rules, uh, treat yourself as though you're worth taking care of. 
Exactly right, exactly right. We all say self-love is important. This is a way to do it. So you say to yourself very quickly in the mirror, you deserve to be loved. And you're telling yourself like you would your absolute best friend with the same conviction, just like mm-hmm. you believe and know they are deserving of love. So are you. So is everybody. So you just say that to yourself. You're deserving of love. And this is me giving it to you. And I thank you for being strong and facing everything you've ever faced in your life. And well done. Mm-hmm. Whatever it might be. It might be a little prayer. It might be Aphrodite, bless me, or whatever you might light a candle. You put on some nice incense and you put on some nice music and you turn the lights out and that's your bath. It doesn't matter if it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes or two hours. Mm-hmm. You've just made the most amazing love potion for yourself to soak in. You might wash yourself with those crystals. You might take those little crystals in your hand and wash your whole body and love your hand. Love why your hands are so good. Your hands do so much for you. They hold your children. They they hold your dead. They hold everything. They hold, they, they fix, they hold, they, they, they say, that, you know, what about your feet? What about your legs? What about your belly? Mm-hmm. What about the breast that suckled? What about, you know, your hair? What about anything? Oh, just might as well give it some love. Shampoo. When you get out, you're going to feel so good. You are going to be that goddess cleansed. When you watch that water go down the drain, watch all your shit go down with it. Watch all your shadow. Watch the fat you don't want go with it. You can wash your fat off. You can wash if you've got, you know, like this is a loved one that I do, you know. If you feel like you might not like the weight that you have on your body, uh, then you could sit there and love your body and say, thank you for this beautiful blanket that I now no longer need. And you can just love it till it feels like it should. Yeah. And then wash it all into that water. Imagine yourself washing it off into that water. There we go. Thank you. I'm just going to wash that off into that water. And when I let this Mm. water out, it's all going to go down the drain and I'm going to feel lighter, brighter, lighter, but also lighter in terms of my weight because I'm now no longer feeling heavy in terms of who I am. I don't weigh myself down with my feelings of self-oppressed wrongness. So I don't feel like that anymore. I feel light. I'm going to go out feeling damn sexy regardless. I'm going to feel out very loved. And that world is going to see that. They will feel it. They will know it. They're going to look and see how do you shine when I'm not letting myself do it. Yeah? That's what magic is. Could you imagine if that bath that you took for 20 minutes, half an hour before was that simple, but that, <laughs> that kind of layer ritual, how would you be feeling afterwards? Well, you know what, James? I'm beginning to think that perhaps I'm a witch and I didn't know it because as you were describing <laughs> that is. bath, as you were describing that bath, I, I always have a crystal on my bath, a clear quartz one. I made my own Epsom salts and mm-hmm. it's got my lavender plant from last year in there and some local oil that I've popped in there. And um, was it? Did you say bicarb? I've got something else in there anyway. Um, so I had a crystal. And you know what? When I got in the bath, the crystal must have fallen in there. And I sat on it. And I was like, damn it. This is why I shouldn't have had a pointy clear quartz in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> but I had incense. I had candles. Uh, you know, and this was one of the only times I, I didn't have my phone. Normally I play music or listen to a podcast in there. But I just needed that clarity to set the intention you know and I put some oils in there and and it was absolutely beautiful I felt well I do feel great now and my mind's my mind's clear like sometimes when I interview people I sit here and go oh my gosh what's the next question I'm going to ask and it takes away from me being able to listen to you actively because I'm too caught up in my own thoughts about what am I going to ask next and I'm just sitting here enjoying everything you're saying and hoping that the listeners out there especially women you know um who you know, it would probably, I mean, it's quite confronting. Sorry. 
It's it's everybody, men and women. This is for yeah. men and women. It's just a gender-specific thing. I use women, I believe, because women are the ones who are most likely to have these sorts of scenarios mm -hmm. for themselves. But body image plagues men as much, particularly, you know, uh, we, we get these images of muscle-bound creatures and if we're not that then we're not right some way and so for men it can be the same thing you know there's many ways that uh men can do this and not make it feel like it's 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 feminine or anything but why not you know why not you know self-love in any way so this this ritual to carry on can extend even to your bedroom you put the moisturizer on afterwards and what you said there you are absolutely right what you're doing is in my books witchcraft it is magic the only uh -oh. difference is, is <laughs> the only difference is, and it's just a finite difference, is I know that I'm doing it as magic. You just, you're, you, if you look at it as magic and go, this is your magic, it adds that little sparkle to it. It's your <laughs> making magic and yeah. it's you deserving it. Now, for the mothers out there who have kids, when they go and make that little five minute ritual for themselves, 10 minute, half hour, God, make it two hours, women, you need to. Um, don't take the phone <laughs> in. I mean, leave all that tech outside. That world, the magic, magic is the space where I get to strip away my everyday there. I'm not even James anymore. James is left at the door because I don't need a name in that space. No one's going to be calling it. The universe doesn't call me James. I don't call myself James in that space. I'm just a, oh, I'm a being and the universe is holding me and I'm just holding it and it's a, it's a refuge. So in that bath, don't necessarily, you don't need to be anything or anyone just surrender and if you invoke and that's what i mean by invoke and evoke evoking is what you're doing in the outer space so evoking is the crystals the candles the the placebo things the symbols the aesthetic is very important for setting the aesthetic of your space yeah and when you create a magical life it's about doing that in your everyday so turn your home into a space that supports this how does it feel? How does the energy move through here? Is it light? Is it cocooning? Is it, do I want it to feel this way or that? What colors does that mean? Color is very important. It speaks to our subconscious mind. That's why we dress in certain colors. When we go to work, you might want to feel sharp and powerful. So you might wear red or a vibrant color. Or you might wear sharp black, you know, or you might want to be a little bit invisible. So you might wear a bit of a gray tone. That's magic. That's witchcraft to me. I'm using mm. color magic. Yeah. So okay. if I painted that outfit beforehand, might be different again. If I'm going for a job and I want to stand out to the rest, I want to wear a sharp suit. I want to wear a blue that's a dark blue because dark blue is about feeling open and dark blue. Think of, okay, we see dark blue in university colors, but we see a light blue in school colors. The reason why a light blue is an open mind, dark blue is an educated color. Same as dark burgundy as opposed to maroon. Okay, so I would go for either a dark navy blue with burgundy in the tie because it automatically brings in a distinct sense of uh, Cambridge or university kind of energy. Okay, I would wear gold in some way because it shows prestige. Okay, it's mm. symbolic, but it's working on the person who's interviewing as much as it's working on me. I trust, trust me. Yeah, my state, if I've done a spell beforehand that says, this job, if it is mine, will be mine, regardless of what's going to come, because my spell says so, you know what I mean? Mm. I've done all this work. I'm wearing a certain oil that is about an open mind. My whole attire, my whole body, my whole posture, I might have worn that suit already in my spell. 
So to my brain, I've got a link to my spell where I already got the job. So when I'm sitting in that interview, I already feel like I've got it. I'm composed. I'm ready. I feel like I'm fully empowered. That boss automatically is going to go, wow, this person is really amazing. This person feels perfectly on tune. Thank you very much. You've got the job. As far as I'm concerned, my spell worked. What really took place is it's just a subconscious game of symbols. It's a subconscious play of working the energy or working the space, working, you know, a witch learns how to do that. We just call it magic. We call it, we call it spell. But it's, if we're looking at science, that's the science behind it. And it's very simple, but we can learn deeply about it. And your home is the same. Your dress code is the same. Your car that you drive is the same. Everything you choose, everything you do every day is based on these sorts of symbols. As a witch, we learn how to use them. We learn how to look for the ones that aren't serving us and the ones that are negative and the ones that are positive. We learn how to bring in others, yeah? And that's all it is, simple, simple. It's very, very simple. I know I'm getting quite complex in it, but it is very simple to strip back. Mm. It's really interesting. Thank you. Um, I want to move now to a different set of questions. Um, and I want to talk about the different energies in the universe and the earth. And it might sound like I know what I'm talking about. I don't. I'm just saying this. Um, because before we started our podcast tonight, you mentioned that it's a full moon. And I'm interested to know the impact that the full moon and other types of moons and energies in the earth, uh, the universe, what impact they have on your spells and magic. Okay. Being a witch is working with what we call the natural rhythms of Earth. Okay. okay. And Earth, as we observe, has rhythms mm -hmm. in the ebb flow of a tide. We all know that the moon has an effect on the water bodies of the planet. For example, when it is full, the tide is often higher than when it is dark. Mm -hmm. Okay. Same as we observe through the seasons that the sun the moon, the stars shift, change, and strengthen or weaken. And so as a witch, those are the energies we then work with rather than working against. For example, we believe that just like a planter. So, the, the, okay, before I go on here, I must say um, there's, to me, a very clear point where witchcraft and science meet. Okay. And we see... A lot of this in very simple things, but also there's a lot of ways we can give evidence and, and, and valid proof to what a lot of people just believe and don't necessarily get why they think. Okay. So okay. out there will say that, okay, it is a full moon tonight. <clears throat> Therefore, the spells that we would do tonight are ones for bringing things up, powerful things, big things, green, uh, growing things, bringing things forth. Yeah. As we go to the, the new moon or the dark moon over the next two weeks, we call that yeah. waxing. And the waxing moon is for breaking down because we're going from full down to dark. Okay, and the moon is disappearing. The dark moon then is for, <clears throat> for breaking things down or removing things or what would otherwise be called darker magic without being, without, you know, being mistaken as the evil form. Uh, darker mm. magic, for example, you know, might be working with our shadow self or our doubts, our insecurities, the shadow aspect of ourselves. Then as we move from the, the dark moon again to full, we feel the energies rising again. And we might build our spell towards the full moon when the energy is going to be at its peak. Okay? okay. That is a rhythm that we can see 
also in nature if we observe, which is where we get these rhythms from. We don't just make them up and we're not just pulling them out of air. They are things that are observed. For example, the way the tide moves and also the way that we might plant plants. We know that full moon is going to bring more uh, things forth than a dark moon. We know, uh, okay, I, you may have nurses out there or people who work within medical industry or nursing homes, who, who, uh, which I have also done and, and many of my colleagues will agree that full moon, you always need more staff because there's that time when they go lunatic, when the moon is high. <laughs> I never realised that. Well, we are water bodies. Our bodies are 80% water or more, 90% water and a teaspoon of mineral. Of course, if the water around us is affected, how are we not affected? A woman's mm -hmm. cycles are affected. A woman will often attune to the moon's cycles. It's because it's the water in your body affected. So which follows those cycles? And of course, witchcraft often is considered feminine. And of course, women have had a lot of knowledge and they follow their own natural cycles of ebb and flow. You mm -hmm. will find as a, as a female... With that cycle, you will rise in energy and ebb and push. Your body goes, you know, oh, I'm really energized today. And then when you when you um, when that menstrual cycle is coming on, it's like, well, I hit a brick wall, and I just can all I can do is eat ice cream and watch, you know, soapies. You know, <laughs> it's that ebb and flow. We as witches learn to observe that. We see it in nature everywhere. We see greater ebbs and flows. For example, the seasons. Right now, we are heading towards what we call Yule or midwinter, which in Australia is celebrated in the mid of June. And it's the point when, astrologically, we hit the longest night and the shortest day. Okay, And that is when, to us, the point shifts. Yeah, we, at the moment, our days are slowly getting shorter. The nights are slowly getting longer. The lights are actually longer than the day currently. And then when we hit around, traditionally, it's the 21st of June, but astrologically, it's, it's in and around that date because it is an astrological point. Um, from that point, we'll begin to notice, and in, in magic, we will say that the darkness loses its power to the light and the god of the old dies and the new god of light, the new sun god is born. In other words, the new sun is born and now we can we know that tomorrow is going to be a second longer than today and the day after that a second longer suddenly the days are gaining strength again now the day is getting stronger and the night is losing its power and we'll see that happening up until um around october where we then get beltane where the day and night are now equal and now the day is strong enough to really be equal with the night. And now I'll have a head-on duel in that moment. It might be the sun and the father that will symbolize that as the sun and the father have come into power. The sun's come into power. The young child has come into power. So now I'm going to challenge the father and say, right, it's my time to rule. The father could be the night energy, for example. Then as we rise towards uh, the summer solstice, we see the sun become greater and the days become longer. The night loses its power, but then we hit the summer solstice, it flips back again. Then the night reclaims And that's a great cycle that we see in, in nature. If we were to take that into ourselves, we go through the same thing. We go through seasons. We have autumn. We have winters. We have springs. We have summers. Our emotions have that. Sometimes I feel like I want to withdraw and all my leaves are falling and I go into a winter. Sometimes I'm in spring mode and I'm flourishing. And if we observe this in nature and if we honor it in our ritual and we allow ourselves to express it and symbolically uh, ritualize it in our altars, we get to keep track of our own cycles. My altar at the moment, for example, is 
I'll share this. I've got a beautiful bowl that my father made me who passed away some 15 years ago. He turned it on a lathe and he made it not long before he passed, which is really beautiful and very special to me. And it holds nuts and rocks and stones and sticks and beautiful things of earthy stuff that I've collected for the last 20 something years. And that to me is an ancestral bowl. It represents my ancestors, the ancestors of the earth, the ancestors that appeared before me, the bones and so on and so forth. And in that is an Aboriginal, uh, a bowl made by a beautiful Aboriginal man that I knew back in my 20s who uh, also saw me and saw my lineage of Indigenous blood and gave that to me. So that honours that heritage. Um, with that, I have uh, a, a symbol of the horn god. I have a statue of him sitting there, uh, honouring and holding with him a piece of amber, again, honouring the ancestors, because to me, this season is about being with the ancestors in the underworld. We're a little bit in the underworld at the moment. We're heading into winter. There's a few cauldrons on my altar at the moment, all symbolising the underworld, the womb, uh, death, the tomb, the rebirth. I also have a crone statue of this beautiful uh, old lady holding a cat and she represents the crone and over her shoulder I've got some pictures of a crow. Uh, I've got a cup next to her with an Amanita mushroom. I have uh, some bones and some bay leaves and a, a raven feather and a bit of burgundy leather with some burgundy beads on it that was made for me by a beautiful crone sister and I have some pomegranates in front of that and a mask. So all this is symbols. This is the crone, and this is her cup, bone and death are her things. So the raven who plucks the bodies apart, the bones of the dead, that is the crone's things. She has a dagger because she cuts the cord of life. She has the bay leaves because that is the cleansing, that is the old. She has the Amanita mushroom because she's kind of of that fairy realm and while the Amanita is intoxicating and it's alluring and it's red with white spots. It's the famous white spotted red mushroom. I've got a dried one there, but it's also deadly. You know, it's it's mm. taste me, but you'll die. You know, mm. and it'll happen to do that. You know, that's the crone. The red or the burgundy leather with the beads is what I call my ruby river. It's the blood, it's the beads of blood that extend for me through my mother, my grandmother, my great grandmother, and all the women from the very first, from the earth, from the tomb that we came from, the womb we came from. That's the ruby river. And that what the crone holds all that. The pomegranates are for the goddess Persephone, who at this time in, our, in mythology, in the Greek mythology, has gone into the underworld and become the queen of the night, while her mother Demeter, normally the bountiful goddess of spring and summer, has become the winter crone because she doesn't know where her daughter is. She's bereft. And so it's honouring all of that. I've got an apple there for Eve. For Eve. Uh, because even Eve and uh, Persephone to me are like two sisters, you know, one just got thrown out of Eden, the other one got kidnapped out of Eden. Um, but, you know, look, they're all archetypes. And this is the sort of stuff that I have my altar. But I stand here. I light my candle. That to me is signifying for my ancestors to listen that I'm this little child saying, hey, I'm living here for you. And you live in my blood, my heartbeat. And today, this was my experience. Let me share that with you. And thank you for letting, looking after. Thank you for everything you ever did, gave, lost, suffered, experienced, and had, so that I can be here at this point in this Ruby River. Yeah. 
And all these symbols hold symbology for me. My dad's bowl, you know, my indigenous heritage, the crone who reminds me of my grandmothers and the doorway, the crows, the ravens, that death is always right there. So I'm not afraid of that. I'm dying in every moment. But what am I doing about living? And that's what she's asking me. She's making sure I live because she's going to let me know when I get there. Sorry, life's over now. Did you make the most of it? What'd you do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Symbolically getting at. So that's, that's to me, you know, that's that's how simple magic can be. That's just a space I stand and look at when I'm getting ready in the morning. I put my oils on that are blessed by them. Sandalwood in this instance, because it keeps me grounded. It keeps me held. Palo Santo to keep me clear. And maybe I might add in some clary sage or some rose or something sweet if I want that little bit of softness as well, you know. But it's all symbolic. It all just whatever my head thinks it is, you know, if it smells like this, then it smells, you know, it's symbolic. There's no right or wrong in magic. And that's one thing I would like to let all witches, young, old or new or or advanced, there's no right or wrong. Your magic is your expression, your symbology. Learn, listen and look at what others do but take on only what fits you and what works for you. Because if the symbol doesn't work, it's pointless. It's got to work. Got to be your symbol. Wow. Thank you. What a fantastic answer to my question. I've forgotten what the question was, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) There was so much in that. (laughs) That was great. You talked a lot about history and mythology. And I've noticed that, you know, throughout the ages, um, there's uh, different, you know, different things come into vogue. And I'm not sure... um, if you'd be comfortable talking about this, we certainly didn't discuss it um, pre-interview, but I've noticed that what's coming in vogue these days is the use of psychedelics, um, which I know they've been around for, you know, for the ages and different um, different groups of people around the world, but use, the use of psychedelics to firstly treat trauma, PTSD, that kind of thing, and secondly, to access the divine and to have a spiritual experience. And I'm wondering what your... Um, what your ideas are around that and if that's a, a way to access the divine um okay. and if it's, yeah well firstly i would just like to say very clearly that uh psychedelics and things of such nature firstly i would like to differentiate between what we are going to term psychedelics are natural and generally plant-based uh traditional uh medicines that have been used for eons by our ancestors for such things okay yeah so you're talking about like the naturally occurring psilocybin and things like mushrooms and ayahuasca dmt precisely right exactly everybody has dmt in their system it's born in us it's what Mm -hmm. turns the embryo into a fetus within the womb or the other way around about that Sorry, maybe one. Yeah, embryo, <laughs> fetus, fetus, embryo, one of them. Uh, it, it's what uh, it's what carries us over into death. We, it's what's released when we die is this DMT mm-hmm. release. Uh, but it's also found in every living organism. Uh, people will use. Okay, we have ecstasy, a famous drug that is pharmaceutically created or, or, or chemically created, um, which is obviously ecstasy is its trick. It's not ecstatic at all. It's not an ecstatic state. It's not a state that mm-hmm. I want to be. Um, true ecstasy is our true state. Yeah. And so I think that's a, that's a, to me, that it would be a demon. Uh, I believe every, if we're going to talk about psychedelics and we're talking about these plants, we're talking about spirits because everything is spirit. Everything is a spirit, I should say, should say. If that is the case, then these chemical compounds that we call meth, ice, 
and other such things are therefore demonic. And to me, and I'm sure many would agree, you can see evidence of that in the way they possess those Absolutely. who Absolutely. Yeah. System. Alcohol yeah. is the same. It is a, it, that's why we call it spirits. It's, it, there's no mistake. <laughs> yeah. Now, if, for example, and I want to actually just state here firstly, there's a few things that we need to say for legal purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, um, it's very important that if someone wishes to explore, experience, or otherwise venture into the realm of psychedelics, that they do so with someone who knows what they're doing and not someone who's just had a few parties and trips. I mean, someone who knows what they're doing, someone who's well experienced in what can go happen, what can happen if things go bad and how to stop that. Okay. Also, please ensure that your mind, and, and you can talk to your doctor about this, and if you've got a good doctor, they should be honest with you. Please ensure that you are chemically able to handle the journey that you are on. For example, certain compounds have certain releases. For uh, mushrooms, um, will work on, for example, um, serotonin. Okay, uh, so we have serotonin, dopamine, melatonin, these chemicals, that's what these are inducing. Some people, uh, it, it's not good for them. They may not, yeah. they may be serotonin deficient, for example. Yeah. So please, uh, basically just please uh, be medically conscious of your yeah. choices. And we're not encouraging people to go out there and try these things. Like follow right. the law. We're not saying go out there and try a trip. Uh, what, I, what I'm curious to know is are these plant-based drugs spirits as you call them are they capable uh, i mean you hear so much talk about them giving um people a spiritual experience is that something um that you know much about that you can speak to i i yes it is uh i've been working with plant medicines for uh 20 or something more years now or more years actually um, you know, in various forms, in many ways, mushrooms and uh, DMT, ayahuasca, uh, various others, um, and and both as a form of self-exploration and also for fun. I mean, there's a lot of fun involved, but also it's always been a magical act for me because for eons, in fact, forever, you know, the, the medicine man, the shaman, the spirit person, the one who was wise to such things would go out. I mean, think of an Amazon rainforest culture where they've got a billion plants around them the shaman would be the one that would learn the ways of the spirits each tree was a spirit it was respected imagine mm -hmm. living in a world where we believed every tree was a spirit where everything every rock was a spirit everything mm -hmm. was a spirit we respected that spirit it had a home and a reason for being where it was and we didn't just rip off a leaf we went and talked to that spirit and gave it offerings and mm -hmm. said i'm asking for your medicine please bless me with your medicine that could be your herbs in your herb garden the, to the roses that you plant to any tree that you go past in the park they're all spirits treat them like a being when i go sit by a tree i'm sitting by an old fellow an old woman and i want to listen to their stories and they're wise and i'll sit there with the same respect as a child at their knee yeah mm. talk to my seedlings they're like little kids and i'm like little darlings <laughs> our listeners do the same who love plants yeah and they'll agree yeah. that their plants respond yeah they're witches uh, that, that, that's a witchy thing. So when I'm talking of plant spirits, we're dealing with that. So, for example, traditionally speaking, one would gather them in a ceremonially respectful manner. We would not just go out and rip out all the, you know, say, for example, okay, uh, say we found a plant that held 
these properties. And of course, one must be very knowledgeable and very specific in doing this. In fact, I tell you, I will tell your listeners, do not pick mushrooms unless you absolutely find no, no, Let's just stop and like, do not pick mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, do not pick because, mushrooms in case yeah. you pick death cards. Um, We're not encouraging people to go out and take a drug trip. I'm just, I'm just simply curious in, in your work with, um, with plant medicine. Okay. I spent seven years journeying each season with mushrooms. I went out personally to collect them myself. I know professionally what I am looking for. But even then, I found about four different varieties that could have, might have, possibly may not have been, but uh, I brought them home. I had to sit there and wait. There's certain tests that I was able to do or things that I was able to do, which I'm not going to pass on. uh, But there's certain ways that I could tell that they were or not. Now, even I then had to triple check and I still do it to this day if I was to choose to, to go hunting I would still triple triple check because even mm. I can be fooled that's just to let the ones who think they might know from a few pictures on the internet even those who know what they're doing still aren't 100% okay mm. so with that with mushrooms with all of this what they do is they open up and now science is showing us for example mushrooms are interestingly enough nature mimics itself beautifully If we were to look at a picture of our brains and the neurons and synapses, we would see a complex pattern that looks almost identical to the psilocybin network of mushroom growth in the, um, uh, I've just lost the word. In the structure of the mushroom. Root system. Yeah. Yeah. It's floating. It's teasing me on the edge of my brain. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the, the the root network of the mushrooms, which is the incorrect term, but it's the root network of the mushrooms, mm-hmm. looks identical to the, the neurons and the synapses in our brain. And it's fascinating that nature does this. But then, of course, what we find when someone intakes these, uh, and the reason why they're using them in controlled situations with such things as depression is because the synapses in our brain actually completely dissolve their connections to one another and then afterwards rewire. So what it's literally doing is it's like taking a computer completely bound up in programs already, say the programs or everything you believe and have been told to believe your entire life, the programs that you've been operating under. Mushrooms will give your computer a complete cleanse over and allow you to put back the programs that you choose to. Of course, some might come back in on board with that. And if you're not vigilant, they will. But it's up to you then to do the work. It's not a free pass to how you've done it all. It's a doorway that gets you, helps you see what your brain might not have otherwise. I have discovered in my own experiences that one simple journey on mushrooms or other such substances can do what would otherwise be perhaps years or decades of psychological work, but in the wrong environment could also do as much psychological damage. It is a a walk that one must take with full accountability of the fact of that happening. Mm. Uh, they are a spirit after all when i take mushrooms they are a living being to me and that's why i don't take anything that's not living yeah uh whether that's chemical drug or anything i I just think if it's not living it shouldn't be in my body um so when the mushroom comes into me i'm dancing with another spirit that spirit is dancing with me as far as i'm concerned the mushroom is tripping on human as much as this i haven't heard that before yeah the funny the funny thing is, is the mushrooms aren't tripping by themselves. They need the chemicals in our brains to unlock that. It's mm. actually a chemical combination that occurs between our brain's chemicals and theirs that causes the trip. 
So it is mushrooms tripping on humans as much as we're tripping on them. And if they're conscious, who are we to say that they're not enjoying it as much as we are? <laughs> we can't measure it, but it doesn't mean anything in my mind they are. <laughs> mushrooms don't have, think of mushrooms as being a flock of wild children who have no concept of right or wrong. In your head, they can only bring out what is already in the cupboard. Now imagine if you opened your house up and had, a, had 30 wild young children come flying into your house and they started opening up all the pantries and all the cupboards and your underwear drawer and everything and started pulling it all out. That's what mushrooms are going to do. Then you've got to sit there and explain it all and go through it all. Now, if there's something in one of those drawers you don't want coming out, then it's probably going to come out anyway. And mushrooms are likely to go, oh, that's the drawer you don't want. Oh, that's going there. Oh, that's exciting. Or you're getting emotional. <laughs> go, 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 go. But that's where the bad trips can happen because it'll just bring up stuff that you might not be ready or willing to face. In a controlled, safe environment, that could be very powerful. Uh, it can also be very, it can, can, can be detrimental. Uh, to stay in tune with your question, you know, the way that I use them, the way that I feel they work, these spirits are spirits that our ancestors have honoured, understood, utilised, and worked with as allies for eons. Since we first took a plant into our mouth and went, oh, oh that, that, one, that one's poisonous, probably shouldn't have done that one. Uh, but that one, that one <laughs> felt good. Yeah, they drop away the barrier between where I as a thing that calls itself James exist and my idea of the cosmos exists. It's like, I don't know, I get to step outside of this little suit called James. It's it's quite fascinating. Um, I Look, I, I do have to say that I am an advocate for the reopening of examining and, and, and studying and understanding and researching of the power of these medicines. And we call them medicines very specifically because drugs are your speed-based, meth-based, demon-based things to me. Um, these are medicines. These are what God gave us in the Garden of Eden and we shouldn't deny them. And uh, we've been told to I believe because they open up doorways that would make us feel very free. And in a society that likes cogs and control, you wouldn't want a bunch of people going, hey, I am free. So it kind of does serve. Um, but it does definitely help realize that we are very much more powerful than we thought we were in our little worlds. Hmm. Interesting. Well, thank you very much, James. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your very interesting answers and telling us all about your witchcraft practice. Thank you. Thank you for asking such fun questions. I get the feeling that there might be another part to this because I feel like <laughs> yeah, I, I, I gave you 10 questions to ask. You gave me 10 questions and I answered 20 others. Yeah, yeah you did. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. It was wonderful to learn that I'm a witch. I just didn't know it. And, uh, yeah, it's really interesting to hear about the work that you do. Uh, if listeners want to get in touch with you, uh, how can they contact you? Uh, if you uh, find me on Facebook, James Sargent, that's my page. You're welcome to add me. Uh, I, I welcome anyone to come along. And my daily sharings, uh, you know, I just share magic and remind people that there's magic. And by all means, message me. Um, I, I do admit I'm terrible at messages, so maybe don't expect to reply. But you're welcome to message, by all means. <laughs> you're welcome to message. Um, but please, yeah, find me on Facebook. Best way to go. Great. Thank you very much for your time. You're most welcome. Thank you for yours. Have a great night. Enjoy this full moon and 
hey, enjoy whatever spell you do next because I'm sure it's going to be powerful for you. Did you know that Australia now has a mental health practice specialising in psychedelic integration therapy? Enlightened Mental Health is the first mental health practice of its kind in Australia. If you would like psychedelic integration therapy or support for any mental health issue, you can call them Australia-wide on 02-6198-3226. If you'd like to book in online or just simply find out more about this amazing new practice, please go to www.enlightenmentalhealthaustralia.org.